Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. My guest today on the podcast is Newt Larson. Newt is coach to pastors and churches, majoring on pulpit, leadership, and daily grace, and drawing on 41 years as senior pastor at two churches, the last 26 being at the chapel in Akron, Ohio. He is the author of four books and two commentaries, and a graduate of Grace College and Grace and Trinity Theological Seminaries. His newest book is titled The Great Human Race, which was just re-released this month by BMH Books after being originally published more than 30 years ago. The book draws on Pastor Larson's life pursuit of running and makes application to spiritual lives. Pastor Larson, thanks for being on the nice podcast. Nice to be here. Thank you, Drew. So um, we were just talking right before the podcast about your name, Newt, and being in northern Indiana, folks would be interested to know where that name comes well, from. Well, I would hope so. Notre Dame, yeah. And all my relatives from Sweden say, it's Knut, say Knut. <laughs> but uh, I was named after Newt Rockney. He never made it big in football, and uh, my dad always called me Rock, and so I always rooted for Notre Dame, had to. Wow. Got a statue there, baby. That's your, there you go. Exactly. And um, so football wasn't your thing, but running became a thing for you. When did your pursuit of running and love of running start? Believe it or not, first grade. You know, my my dad was a phys ed uh, nut, really, a phys ed director at the Y. And always we were jogging in first grade, my brother and oh, I. Oh, wow. Yeah, with my dad and drinking wheat germ. Yeah, that's before it was even like cool to do that it kind was. of thing. It was. It wasn't cool for us, but <laughs> we stopped then. Later, and my parents a lot of tragedy of divorce and death and things. But, but I always uh, kept it up a little bit. Tried to stay in shape. So, and my wife read a book then by the guy that made famous the twelve minute run. So when I had lapsed on it at Ashland, Ohio, at the Grace Church, we started the twelve minute in the mornings and have not stopped since. Now, you did a little bit of running in college at Grace um, during your uh, phenomenal career on the oh, basketball court, career, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for the Hall of Fame kind of thing, but, <laughs> you know, I got to play at Grace. I loved Grace, both my wife and I, and we met here. But I was on the team and got to play a lot, but it was before we were good. <laughs> what, does, uh, what has running looked like? for you uh, during your lifetime? I mean, it's been a lifetime pursuit. You, you say you're not a phenomenal runner, but I mean, how many times a week? Uh, what kind of races have you done? What is what is your racing <laughs> regimen? I've done enough running to write a book that <laughs> takes all the scripture analogies on running. Uh, I, I've been in a lot of races, mostly 10K, one time a half marathon, but I, I never say I'm a good runner. I just say, stay in shape. And that's the big deal. And then I basketball. And right now, when we moved to Michigan after the chapel, uh, I owed my wife that we would exercise together. So we hike dunes and ride bikes and do things like that and in the water. So uh, I just believe in physical shape and a lot of the scripture about parallels with spiritual shape. Absolutely. My yeah. uh, my boys have memorized First uh, Timothy 4, 8 for um, 
physical fitness is of some value. And we actually do a race every year with with our family. Um, we call it the First Timothy four eight race three k. Our kids all do it, but you have to you have to say the verse to get into the race. Um, and uh, the winner gets a roll of toilet paper because um, physical fitness is of some value. Indeed. So that's the value you get out of it is a roll of toilet paper. But you draw on the book then all the spiritual values that come from physical fitness and running itself. So I mean, why does the Bible talk so much about running? Well, I, it's a good picture of the Christian life or of, of real life. I do think, and a lot of the hobby horse in there is that people blame God for too much or live on their own too much. And this is trying to say we decide how to run, but God gives strength. I'm talking spiritual running. And it's a combination life with Christ. None of this God told me or God gave me all the pictures all the words to say, no, you got to study, baby. You got to get at it. So it's a combination life. And that's what the hobby horse is in the book. Tell, let's talk about those two parts. First, um, you know, God, uh, we tend to blame God for, for too much. Explain that a little bit to me and, and how that is generally seen in our lives. Well, you're asking somebody that makes it a hobby horse too much, maybe, but uh, God, it was, God didn't want me to do that, or I didn't feel like God wanted me to kind of thing, or God told me. I never put more importance on that than somebody saying, I have an idea for you. I, I think God tells us everything we need in the Bible. We have all we need for life and godliness. Now we've got to decide to get up in the morning and run or to get up in the morning and, and, and pray or to follow him, and God will work in us. Work out your—you know that verse. Work out your own salvation. God works in you. It's together. Yep, yep. Uh, so the opposite part of that is us getting up and, and working. It's the—you the, talk about disciplines. Um, so, you know, what are those disciplines you express in the book, and, and how are they lived out? And, and, you know, one is that I take responsibility for my own mood and my own life. Uh, that's part of a discipline or behind the discipline. So I decide if I'm going to be grouchy. I decide, even in tragedy, if I'm going to trust God and, and believe that he's Lord, even in that pain. So I think the discipline of even wanting to be nice, of wanting to show the fruit of the Spirit. That's a good one, Drew. Fruit of the Spirit. Who grows the fruit? God. Yeah, but we're commanded to love, joy, peace, all those fruits of the Spirit, so it works together. Hmm. Yeah. You wrote this book 30-plus years ago. I can't believe that. I heard you say that. (laughs) Why did you write the book in the first place? Because people—everybody has their own life message, and with tragedy as a kid and uh, my own— pastoring and seeing people often blame God for stuff that was their fault or not disciplining themselves to deal with a human problem or relationship, I thought, you know, the running parallels in here, and there's so many of them, as you know, Mm. uh, tell us you've got to decide to go stronger as a Christian, and God will help you, and you'll do it together. So, I think I saw in my own heart and in everybody, not everybody, but most, uh, a lack, uh, either trying to do it all yourself or saying, well, God didn't want me to do it. Come on, let's do it together. 
uh, why 30 years later um, is the book now being re-released? What, what made you say, okay, now th- this message is still relevant. Um, it's important for today. You know, Why now? I think there's a lot of uh, laziness in the Christian life. Uh, we, we know that by church attendance. We know it by Bible reading. Bible ignorance is a better phrase almost today. And I like BMH, and I'm on their editorial committee, and I just ask Liz, do you want to use that book again? And it's a very easy read. There's nothing—the Hebrew and Greek scholars here at Grace will not jump at it, except they need to, because it's—everybody has to live the Christian life and and discipline themselves. All right, so uh, I, I fancy myself a runner— um, once I'll a beat year. you so bad. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> God will help me. No, it's okay. I won't. No, no I, won't. Uh, I uh, so I do a half marathon every year. Um, and like you, I, I find it to be a great discipline, um, and reminder of the Christian life. So, um, give me a few running principles that then apply specifically to my spiritual life. You have to decide you want to get somewhere else. You have to decide you want to grow in the Christian life. You have to decide you want to get in shape. You know, people are paying prices for not being in shape at all. I don't mean a star athlete. So you have to you have to start. You have to have a schedule and a discipline that puts that emphasis in your life. And then you just have to be consistent. I in the Christian life, there are so many extras that go into it. You go to church and read the Bible, okay, but there's also forgiveness and how to follow leadership and how to, uh, to get the Bible and, and, and make it for yourself when you read it and not just, oh, that's nice. So the disciplines of saying, this is for me, I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to love better, I'm going to run better spiritually, I think all of that is willpower too. God's power, but willpower, both. And, and it's it's almost, um, I've heard somebody call that the divine conspiracy, how we have this expectation to give our best and, and be responsible. And, and yet, you know, it's really God who does the work and produces the fruit. And I'm not sure I totally understand, maybe you do, how that works. <laughs> I, I just know that that's how it works. One time, Paul the Apostle, who's probably our hero, or many of us that read the Bible, says, uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Sounds like Popeye if you're over 50. By the grace of God, I am what I am. But this grace in me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than anyone. And then he catches himself and he says, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. It's, it's a theme in the, in, in the Bible. Work out your salvation. God works in you. Uh, I, I can't split the two. I, I, I think we, we all look at our lives and say, I tried hard on that. But then we look back and we say, look what God did for me. Drew, a good picture is marriage. Uh, maybe you would contradict me, but most people don't say God told them who to marry. They work it out. They, they, they date, they discuss, they fight, they argue, and they make up. And then they look back someday, I do in my marriage, and say, God shepherded me. God was so good about that. Uh, so it, it goes together. 
I just the book is to say you work hard at your Christian life and see God's grace daily, and it, it's good. I agree, though I think in in my case there had to be some divine intervention for my wife to be willing to marry me. So I'm not I'm not sure how. <laughs> well, I think we'd all say that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've noticed in my running is uh, when I have a goal or a race coming up, uh, I'm pretty disciplined. You know, I'll, I'll get up early, I'll do the running, um, I'll get in the miles. Um, but when I don't have a race on the calendar, like right now, um, no running is happening. And it's not until I have, have a clear goal. Uh, what does that look like in this spiritual life to have a, a clear goal that we're running towards? Yeah, great question. First, you ought to have more races maybe in your life. <laughs> That's probably true. And so we're here to counsel you, Drew. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, I'm not sure I can make the exact parallel because for a pastor, sometimes it's Sunday and that's not good. You know, I got to be ready for Sunday, so I'm going to study this and I'm going to obey it. And, but all of us every day are on display. We, sh- we show love. We, we, we go through problems. Every day is a race. And that, that's the point of the book. By the way, I always want to say the book is not for runners. It's for everybody's a Christian runner who believes in Christ and there's a lot in there about how to trust Christ and start this way. So, but I do think we all need the goal of doing better and getting in shape spiritually. One of the questions you sent me that caught me a bit off guard, um, but I want to ask it because it intrigued me, is you said, ask me what are the main negatives in the book? So what are the main negatives in your book? Well, those those negatives about people who blame God for everything. Or, I see. I, I, I didn't do it because God didn't tell me to, or maybe God didn't want me to do that. Come on. Here's what God wants us to do. Also, the, the negative about lack of discipline, which is the same thing almost. You don't blame God. You just... A lot of Christians never touch the Bible, never serve others or try to forgive. I, I, those are the negatives that we got to get over. There are excuses galore for not growing and loving and forgiving. You know that. Mm-hmm. Students here at, at Grace, but people in the churches where I was and myself if I don't watch it. So those are the negatives I try to hammer on. Debunk and, and, and show the parallel. You... Uh... Uh, were a pastor for many years, um, saw phenomenal church growth, um, and now pastor pastors uh, and are a coach. So um, uh, you're still running, but but now you're also coaching. Um, Tell me why you decided to go that route of coaching other pastors, and what is that look like? What does it look like to, to be a coach of, of pastors? It's easier than pastoring because now I give <laughs> advice and I drive away and think, I hope he does that. <laughs> when I did it at the chapel and at Grace in Ashland, I would worry in the night and probably wake up worrying about it. I don't brag about that. Uh, I, I coach about 10 to 12 churches at a time, and we go through seven main steps, which are pretty basic. In basketball, they'd be blocking out and sh- and uh, shooting and and rebounding and dribbling, you know. But 
many pastors never deal with a personal schedule, don't know what the board's role is and what is the staff role, that kind of thing. Uh, So it's coaching them on those ways, six months at a time, some of them Two of the guys I'm with have done it for eight years. They want they didn't want to quit. So, I Drew I would say with great credit to God and also to the chapel and to Grace at Ashland, I had honeymoons at both churches for 41 years. Mm-hmm. We had one negative vote in that time on the board, and it was totally my fault. So I'm just grateful to share those lessons and and walk run beside a pastor and try to help. I analyze his sermons and help in any way I can. So uh, when it comes to your your coaching, are you generally finding the pastor or is the pastor finding you and saying, hey, uh, I, I need some help. I, I need to understand how to better block out, shoot, rebound, yeah. assist? Pretty much they f- find me or a guy tells a friend, you ought to do this because I did it and it helped. And uh, I'm I'm on my own. I do a lot with Grace Brethren, a lot with E Free, a lot with everything. One Episcopal Church, one Presbyterian Church, two Presbyterian. I I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a great use of my experience. God God was so good to me, and I'm still healthy and love the church. I think people enjoy hearing sort of the nuts and bolts of how these kind of things work, um, because sometimes we think of you know. Um, going to counseling or being coached as something must be wrong with us. Um, and, and maybe to an extent there, there's some truth there, uh, but it's a willingness to ad- admit the need for help. And we're intrigued with the idea, and I've gone through some coaching and found it really helpful. I didn't even actually want the coaching, but but once I was actually in it, I'm like, oh, I, I needed this a whole lot more uh, than I thought. So uh, at what point should a pastor or ministry leader um, pick up the phone and, and call you or, or, or bring or in some, some coaching? Yeah, and there's a lot of guys that do it now. Uh, that's a great question, and I, I'll answer it this way. Two guys in the last three months, when I was done analyzing their sermon and I gave them two or three pages, email pages, both of them said to me, I've never had anybody analyze or critique my sermons. Hmm. Now, there, one guy was in his 50s and one guy was in his 30s. Uh, so that's a reason. Some people have never had anybody say, why would you do board that way? Why would you let the board get that divided or get in on everything instead of staying with what I teach the soccer field? The board takes care of the boundaries you play on the infield. Uh Everybody needs – we've all had coaches in sports that helped us and helped us get better. That's that's the reason. I love doing it. So are you going to be uh, – and I give you give you freedom to give me a a podcast review um, of, of how I ho- – not preferably on air, um, but certainly I'll take some coaching in that regard as well because you've done this kind of thing for a long time. It, that's one advantage of being my age that you – I don't think I've ever seen anything in coaching and a pastor where I thought, oh, I wonder what that's like. Mm. I've I've met that man in a board meeting once, <laughs> or I met that couple that were trying to, you know, the, or the in Philippians, what are their names? Iodicus and Syntica. I think they were arguing about whose name was prettier. 
But whatever they were arguing about, Paul deals with it, and a coach helps a pastor deal with issues, but also get better at positives. Um, one of the things I think is really neat is uh, this book was written, you know, when you were in the midst of the race. Um, you're farther along in the race now. Um, what would you add or change, if anything, um, to this book, The Great Human Race, <laughs> now that you're a few years longer along in the journey? I, I did add a few things. We re-edited Liz and I, uh, with another editor, worked on that. And uh, I, I like to call it the combination life, so I added that. I did have always had God's grace and here's your discipline, here's what you need to do. Uh, I don't think I'd add anything. I don't think life gets easier in one sense, but I'm not sure it does. I think old people can be grouchy and and face the same sins they faced at 16. Uh, I, I just think the disciplines of, are always there. I'm not sure I'd change much. Hmm. Yeah. And that's what's neat about the Bible, right? I mean, yeah, oh uh, my, yes. it, it was it was applicable then, it's applicable now, and it will be applicable <laughs> forever. Yeah, I was reading in Genesis the other night, I think, man, these guys were terrible. And then I think, yes, yeah, so am I inside if I don't watch it and, and, and stay in Christ. Uh, all right, so one of the things we like to do on the podcast is um, ask some random questions. Sure. And, you're you're a good on the fly kind of guy. Not political. Nothing political. Nothing political. I promise. Um, but uh, uh, fun questions, more or less. So um, here's a couple of them just for you to answer and give some feedback on. So um, if you were able to have lunch with anyone right now, um, besides me and uh, Jesus, um, and Kadeup and Bill Kadeup, yeah, of course. Uh, who would it be and why? <laughs> Trump. And I'd say, don't tweet that stuff. Come on. You, you, here's some way. I, I'm I thought serious. we weren't getting political here. I'm but. not getting political. <laughs> I'm just being personal. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been Billy Graham before. Uh, I, w- I don't want to talk to him right now because I want to live a little longer. But uh, I, I really would. <laughs> I'm staying with my first answer. <laughs> So that you could uh, coach him a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, second question: um, What is a book besides the Bible and your own books um, that you recommend or like to gift to others, and why? You know, an old one is called "The Fight" by uh, a man in Canada, and it's sort of about it's a it's the same theme it's probably out of print now that i say it but i gave it away a lot before um the fight by uh, dr white in in canada hmm. that would be one of them i i still love uh the uh cs lewis books and people that are that are willing to read uh more involved stuff that kind of thing um, okay, so uh, the third question I often like to ask is just, um, what are you or you and your wife into right now? Could be TV shows, movies, podcasts, books, activities, hobbies, whatever it may be. 
Um, sort of what are you guys into right now? Riding our bikes and hiking the dunes. We live right near the Warren Dunes in Michigan. They're mm. pretty steep, some of them. And in the winter, they're wonderful. You got to watch ticks in the summer. But uh, we, we live 900 feet from Lake Michigan. So I try to do all my interviews and Zoom. I can use Zoom, baby. Nice. It's techy. Now, uh, from home, uh, try to go to the beach in the summer from three to five. And I read there and also paddleboard and windsurf. So we love this stage of life, too. Well, um, Michigan, was that hometown for one of you? Or what, what brought you to Michigan after no, you were done with No, thanks to Grace College one more time. Uh, when we were here at Grace and when we got, we used to go up there on uh, Saturday just for the day. When we got married, we'd stay overnight. And uh Warren Dunes was always our place, so every mm. vacation for 57 years of marriage has been to Warren Dunes, and so we got to move there 10 years ago. Wow. We're grateful. Yeah. When you were uh, at Grace um, as an undergraduate, was ministry and the pastorate the direction you were planning to go with your life? How, how did God um, call you to the ministry? You know, I had a grandmother, when our, when our parents divorced, uh, my grandmother, my mother worked full time then, and uh, my grandmother was our spiritual leader in many ways at home. And she prayed every day that my brother and sister and I would all go into ministry. So it was put into our lives. Sometimes I, I wanted her to stop. Uh, when I came to Grace, I still had that emphasis. I got a job as an editor down. I'm pointing toward the island with mm. Lambert Huffman Publishers and with Ken Anderson, a wonderful writer. Mm -hmm. And from 19 to 26, seven years, I was an editor and was headed that way. I got to do two years as an associate pastor and was convinced I want to be a pastor. Mm. I'm, back to a hobby horse, I decided it was God's will. God's will helped me decide it was a good decision. I uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, you know, I've been able to watch you from afar for many years um, before you even knew who who I was, um, even back to my college days. And um, one of the things I so appreciate uh, about you is practical wisdom, um, which is what this book is, right? I mean, it's it's sure. it's stuff you can live out um, today. Uh, but the other thing I've always really appreciated about you is um, an effervescent joy, um, whether it's in the morning like it is right now or uh, late in the evening um, or a stressful day or a relaxed day. I've always seen you um, joyful, uh, joking. And um, where has that always been sort of your demeanor? Is that a is that a discipline you've worked on to to always have um, a, a joyful spirit? I got in trouble in second grade with Miss Moose for joking in class. Uh, if I had a teacher named Miss Moose, I think I'd be making some jokes in class too. That's <laughs> well, that was that's why you weren't in that class then because she didn't like it. Uh, I don't know, Drew. I'm so grateful. I I do enjoy life and uh, uh, have a lot of fun along with facing pain in my own life. I, I did as a child more, I, the death of my sister, uh, divorce of my parents, death of my mother, all those things didn't destroy joy, but made me think that you got to face life head on and hard things, but 
whenever you can, let's celebrate life and and rejoice. I I don't I don't know how that happens. I I have fun. I hope sometimes I have when I shouldn't, but most of the time it's okay. <laughs> where uh, where can people get a hold of the book? And then if they want to find you, where's the best place to find you? Just come to my garage. <laughs> no, actually, BMH is the place to get it. Uh, they have on their website. You can order it. I saw it on Amazon, too, by the way. Right. Um, BMH or Amazon and Christian Bookstores, okay. The Great Human Race. I like the title only in that it's the great race everybody has to run, and uh, we should run it hard and with Christ. And where can people find you? You mean literally? Well, like online. Like, well, we know we can find you at the Warren Dunes uh, from three to five at the beach. But, uh, um, you know, online, if somebody wants to reach out, there's a lot of Grace alums who, who certainly know you and remember you. And- yeah, I know that. I I mean, I, I'm sorry to make a joke. NewtLarson.com or PastorNewtLarson.com, same website. There's all kinds of things there, freely downloadable for pastors. Uh, active active people in the church will like some of it. Uh, people who don't ha- don't have church interests will find it very boring. Just uh, newtlarson.com is a whole website, and that's with a K, right? So it's Knut if you. If Newt Gingrich uh... really messed things up for me. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Well, thank you for being willing to be on the podcast and for sharing some about your book and your life with us today. Drew, thanks for all you do at Grace and what Grace still does in very, very strong ways at college and seminary. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening today. And our music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Bratt, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. Thanks to our co-producers over here, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And if you can do us a huge favor and rate, comment, and share this podcast wherever you retrieved it from, we would be so grateful. Until next time, live your best Grace story today.